This is Gene Lance on the Workers Beat Extra. What's really wrong? What's wrong with the United Auto Workers of America? And you could say, what's wrong with the labor movement? The auto workers are in the middle of a big election. The final vote was Friday, a couple of days ago, or that was the final day to send in the votes. And at that time, there had been fewer than 100,000 votes. That's 10% of the eligible voters. According to Google, there are 391,000 members who are still working and members of the auto workers, and there are even more, many more, retired members, 580,000. When you add that together, you get 971,000, almost a million, and fewer than 100,000 even voted. And they didn't even have to pay for the stamp. All they had to do was open the envelope, mark their choices, put it back in the envelope, and mail it. Not even a stamp. 10% turnout. So, what's wrong with the United Auto Workers? The answer is apathy. I'm the president of the retirees in my local union. When the retirees come to the luncheon, they get free fried chicken and $10 door prizes. We had only nine people at my last retiree luncheon, and that was an improvement. And out of that nine, all of them won cash door prizes. Our membership meetings for the active members are also open to the retirees, but none of the retirees come except me. And about 20, 25 maybe active members out of 800 or 1,000 or so that are eligible to come, come to those meetings. That's less than 2%. And these meetings make important decisions that affect the lives of their families. What do we do with such terrible turnout? Why is it that members care so little for what their union does when their union has such a big effect on their livelihoods. Oh, you could say everybody's apathetic. National elections, for example. According to Google, the turnout in the midterm elections that just finished was 47%. But that number is disguising a very important fact, and that very important fact is that only 71% of the eligible voters are even registered. So when you multiply that out, it turns out that only 33% of the eligible voters voted in the midterm elections just passed. But they had to go and do it. It took some energy. It took some effort. They didn't just open an envelope and put the answers back in the envelope and mail it without even having to put a stamp on it like they were in the UAW election. And yet their turnout was still more than three times better than the UAW election. It's like, it, like the old joke. They used to say, tomorrow's Apathy Day picnic has been canceled due to lack of interest. 10% turnout. 
in a vital union election for national leaders of one of the most important unions in America today. The Auto Workers Union was once the pride of the labor movement. The auto workers led the labor movement in breaking away from old style craft unionism. See, back before 1935, they didn't really try to organize anybody except the highest paid craft unionists, the, the craft workers who had special skills and could get the best possible salaries. People who swept the floor, people who carried the sacks, or people who pulled on the boats or whatever they did, they didn't even try to organize those guys. They were only interested in the elite. But the UAW broke through that and introduced industrial unionism where they organized everybody, every color, every gender. It was a mighty and proud union that was formed when the CIO was first formed and the UAW was its first great success. And it was the greatest success of the American union movement in the 20th century. They broke away from racism and sexism, broke away from elitism in all of its forms, and made a mighty, mighty union. And this carried on. The UAW was the leading union supporting the civil rights movement in the time of Martin Luther King. Dr. Martin Luther King wrote his I Have a Dream speech in Solidarity House in Detroit while he was staying in Detroit and working in an office of the auto workers headquarters. When Nelson Mandela came to North America, after getting out of jail and after winning the presidency of South Africa, he came to North America. First he went to Cuba, but then the next place he went was to the convention of the United Auto Workers of America because they kept up a lot of their progressive activities that had begun back in 1935. Way back in 1948, the United Auto Workers passed a resolution favoring a new political realignment. In other words, they were telling the Democrats, look out, we may be forming a labor party. So the Auto Workers Union was an extremely progressive union. And now, 10% turnout in their very important national elections. What happened? Well, Walter Ruther took over in 1946 and, uh, and established himself as the most powerful leader of the American labor movement by 1947. He set up something called the Administrative Caucus in the UAW to make sure that the factional fights like the one he had led would never again threaten the leadership. The leadership would stay in power because the Administrative Caucus had a lock on power. But now they're getting 10% turnout in their very important election. And why is that? The union under Walter Ruther built up a mighty legal department, a staff of lawyers that are just unparalleled. They built up a strike fund that came at one time up nearly to a billion dollars. 
and still has more than a half a billion dollars. They also built a network of trained international representatives that were known for their acumen in negotiations and settling grievances and arbitrations. The international reps were even better known for their loyalty to the International Executive Board and thus to the Administrative Caucus. And now they're getting a 10% turnout in their very important national elections. Ruther's slogan was teamwork in the leadership, solidarity in the ranks. And that sounds really good. It sounds inspiring, but when you think about it, solidarity in the ranks means that the ranks just follow the leadership. The teamwork and the leadership part is where interesting things might happen, but the rank and file is relegated to the role of just being followers. Now, one could argue that Walter Ruther's unionism was not progressive. It's true that he organized the expulsion of the most progressive unions. It's true that he organized raiding of those unions. It's true that he's the one who was responsible for canceling the organizing drive in the South that was called Operation Dixie. You could argue that he was not progressive, but you'd probably lose that argument because over the next few years, Ruther was more progressive than the other union leaders who survived the witch hunt that began in 1946. From 1946 to today, they've been red baiting the most progressive leaders of the union and the ones who are left are mostly opportunists. Walter Ruther was the best of them. You could also argue that Walter Ruther was almost perfectly suited to what came after his ascension to power and what did come after his ascension to power. A long, long, long retreat. In the early 1950s, America had more than a third of the workforce organized into unions. That number fell and fell and continues to fall. It's now around 11% total. And most of those are public employees. In the private sector, not even 10% of the workforce is organized. So over the years, the rank and file union members had less and less to say over what happened in the union. Sure, in the auto workers union, they could still elect delegates to the conventions, and they did. So on paper, it's quite democratic. But those delegates never stepped out of line. The reason was simple. The international reps constituted an army of staffers who ran the conventions. And don't forget, the international reps were undyingly loyal to the administrative caucus. So the administrative caucus essentially never lost an election, maybe one or two here and there. But for the most part, they never lost an election. Even when they decided to retire, when some of the leaders went out, they got to pick the people who were going to take their places. 
So the administrative caucus has ruled the auto workers union ever since 1946 or 1947. The union was really good at slowly retreating. But a good, well-organized, efficient retreat is still a retreat. And retreating armies get tired. So in the election that they just that is just now underway, the one that uh, where the deadline just passed for turning in their votes with 10% turnout. Which layers of members voted? Was it the old time UAW members or was it the new hires? I'm going to guess it was the new hires. I'm going to guess it was the younger members and I'll tell you why. As the auto workers union retreated before the onslaught of the bosses and the government, the bosses and the government were teamed up against the workers, and the, the unions were in retreat. As they retreated, they tended to take concessions, but it's very hard to take concessions when the members get to vote on the contract. As a result, the contracts would have concessions but not for the members. They would have concessions for anybody that got hired after that contract went into effect. In other words, it was the new hires who paid. The present members would vote for a contract and say, sure, as long as no, no cuts for me, I'll vote for it. The cuts were for the new hires. So today in the auto workers union, you have people that are making maybe 15 bucks an hour working right beside somebody and doing the same job who's making 35 bucks an hour, making 20 bucks an hour more doing the same job because they've been there longer. So the election that the government is forcing on the UAW today might be called the revenge of the new hires. I think the new hires are the ones that are motivated to vote. We don't really know, and I don't know if we'll ever find out. But in my guess, if the turnout is only 10%, and if it turns out that the new hires are the ones who are really motivated to vote, then there's going to be changes in the auto workers union. And whether this election changes the auto workers union or not, I'm saying that the auto workers union will change because the entire nation is changing. The union movement has the highest favorability among the public that they've ever had. 71% of American people approve of the union movement. There's a fascist threat and everybody knows that fascists will end the trade unions first. That's what Hitler did, and that's what all fascists will do. They will do away with the unions first because that's where democracy is strongest. So there is a threat, a fascist threat in America, and I think a lot of younger people know it. I think they're waking up, even though they may not know what to do. They know they have to do something. This is Gene Lance. 
on the Workers Beat Extra.